0: men can count on. Contact Cordell, Cordell 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the -the off-the-glass, nothing but net and up and under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pals fans? Welcome to the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to com, Preston Ellis. And today we are talking, he checks his notes, the Lakers. How exciting. Has anyone had enough of these guys yet? Anyway, uh, then we're going to talk a bit about Tim Frazier and the other Berton's brother, the older brother, I'm guessing Daris. Uh, it's spelled pretty similar to a daiquiri. Uh, But to do this and so much more, we've got the whole team starting with our Lord and Commander, Editor-in-Chief to com, Ali of House Cosell. What's going on, dude? Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. I know. What the hell? It must be nice being on the West Coast for those for those games. For me, I'm on the East Coast and ended at 1 o'clock in the morning, so I am tired. Uh, next up, the prince of the portico, Mr. Kevin Berrios. How are the dogs?
1: Uh, they're okay. Um, I'm surprised they're not being
0: super loud right now because I just got home. So they were
1: really anxious and running around, but they're calm now.
0: That's exciting, and finally, uh, whose dog is barking? Then, actually, that's mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Speaking of, this is the guy coming off the exclusive <laughs> interview with an LSU legend and mortal enemy to Etwan Moore, Mr. David Grubb.
2: <laughs> well, the, the LSU legend is not an eternal enemy to Etwan Moore, I and mean, it's not that's a true. mortal enemy. So, you know, yeah, you, you have to put that comment there to make sure that folks know that they're not one. Because <laughs> I don't how how want does... him to start getting oh, a well, hate mail. Yeah. how did that go by the way grub it was really great it was, it was one of the most enjoyable interview experiences i've had um with mahmoud abdul raouf um this is the first time he had been on campus since he said the uh the, the year that ben simmons was playing he said it was very brief but um you know we talked a lot about just how uh his experience have, have shaped him obviously since he, since he first came to lsu and what was strange is that he was speaking in the student union and he said he had never been in that building before. So he didn't go to, and while he was a student, and in all the times since, he had never walked in the student union before. So it just tells you that just disconnect there can be between student athletes and their
0: schools. Yeah, and how important his relationship with you is. Apparently, he traveled all that way just to see you. Well, not just to see me. No, no, no. <laughs> it was, uh, he was speaking
2: at the university's Black History as part of their Black History Month programming. But yeah, we did have a, a just a, a great conversation. I was the only media person. Who uh, right. met with him at lunch, and then we spoke again after his uh, his, his, his engagement uh, for about a good 20 minutes. And uh, we're going to talk in the future. There there may be some things we do together, but the, the best thing was just um, listening to him uh, because he's so much more than just one of the best college basketball players I've ever seen. Um, even though I'm never going to agree with anybody on everything, he's just a very thoughtful and intelligent and introspectful um, humanitarian. That was
0: it's it's really it was good good to talk to as a person. Very cool, man. And excited for you. You certainly deserve it. You work your butt off. Let's go ahead and get started with the show. You guys Uh, remember if you like us and like what you're hearing, just uh, do us a favor, retweet, share the pod, like it, uh, like us on iTunes. We really appreciate all the help uh, that you guys have given to us at this point in time. Uh, Ali, we're going to go ahead and talk uh, Tim Frazier and Darius Bertons. But before we do that, let's go ahead and quickly recap the the matchup last night with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, 22 points in 21 minutes for Anthony Davis didn't play a minute in the fourth quarter. Again, Julius Randle was a wrecking ball specifically in the first quarter before they started doubling him, 15 points in the first quarter, 35 points uh, overall, uh, 36 minutes from Drew Holiday, uh, a bit of a disappointing performance from Kenrich Williams, didn't really hear too much from him. But Frank Jackson finally bounced back. He had 15 points in 29 minutes. That was nice to see. Ollie, talk a bit about what you saw in the game last night.
3: Yeah, it was – it felt like an all-star game to me. That's why I basically wrote in a recap – because let's face it, it was nothing but layups and dunks. I mean, both teams combined to score like 140, 142 points in the paint, couldn't make any three-pointers, and even the free throws weren't dropping. So when you shoot like 25% from three, and I guess both teams combined for what was around 70% from the free throw line, and to still have the score hit the level it did, I mean, that, that tells you a lot, right? So... Alvin Gentry talked about how afterwards they couldn't make shots, and he was right to an extent. But, wow, I mean, just the lack of defense in the paint by both teams is what really stood out. And you just never got the sense that um, neither team was able to grab control of the game uh, because of that. You know, the Pelicans were kind of uh, trailing throughout much of that first half. And then in the third quarter, they jumped all over the Lakers. I forget what the run was, like 17-1 to or something. And they looked really good. I think they were up like five or six on the Lakers, and then they called timeout, and boom, they come back and have four straight dunks. So it was just one of those type of games. And, of course, LeBron James had some heroics at the end. He made just such a ridiculous shot over uh, Drew Uh, Holliday. One-legged, kind of a a prayer, really, and it found nothing but the bottom of the net when you really thought that the Pelicans might come back and win after Darius Miller suddenly heated up at the end. But wasn't to be, and... You know, it would have been great to beat Los Angeles again, of course. But you know what? I, I'm looking at how this team really needs to start piling up some more losses. So I did an article just the other day, and, you know, it's really, really would be opportune for them to finish, say, anywhere between like six and nine because those odds are so much drastically higher this year to land a top five pick as as they've ever been. You know, in previous years, it was a much more tiered uh, – A level as to where the record determined pretty much everything but now where they've changed the rules and stuff it's very advantageous for you know mediocre teams like i said six through nine six through ten to finish like right to those spots and really give themselves a good chance to land a really good pick
0: yeah for sure uh nice job summarizing this kevin we're going to continue uh Obviously, uh, Darius Miller had all 11 of his points in the fourth quarter. I think he was zero for his first six shots, but I don't know if I'm remembering that correctly. But my big concern here, Kevin, um, if if we're talking about winning, obviously Ali is correct in, in his observation that we really do need to start thinking about losing. The Pelicans are something like two games from the sixth spot in the lottery uh, rankings and something like four games from the 14th spot. I'm not remembering this correctly. I'm just uh, guessing. But what I do want to talk about last night, Drew holiday one for nine from three point range. He seems to be falling in love with not just the step back, but also the pull up Uh, very early in the shot clock went kind of forcing it almost. And then Jaleel Okafor got three fouls. I want to say in his first two minutes and ended up only playing three minutes in the entire game. What was your observation of those two guys?
1: Yeah. I mean, Drew with the, with the three, you know, I, I tweeted out, you die by the three, you really die by the three. And you know, when you're off and that's what you're settling for, you know, it, it it's really bad. I mean, it became one point in the game, like Ali said, it was at, at first, it would look like an all-star game where everything was at the rim. It looked like how I play 2K, like I just try to score at the rim constantly. Um, there was no interior defense. Then there was that one point in the game where both teams just started to like settle for jump shots out of the blue um, and Drew Holiday fell into that hole himself. But, uh, you know, Drew's was great last night for the most part. I mean, he was a plus 13 in a game we lost by what six points or five, five or six points. And um, you know, and I think, you know, all the other things he does on the court is makes up for when he does fall in love with that, but obviously you'd like to see him more in attack mode. Um, But, you know, also now is the time for him to work on his game because you're not trying to, to win games. So if he's trying to expand things, trying to figure things out, trying to work on new moves, I'm for it, you know, uh, it's, uh, you like to see him attack more, but whatever, you know, he's still doing everything else, right? He's playing with intensity, playing defense, uh, distributing. Um, So I'm not upset about that. I was surprised that Jao only got three minutes. I mean, especially you could look at, if you don't look at the plus minus of Julius Randall's box score, you could say he had a great game, I guess. And if you didn't watch it, um you know just looking at the numbers you would say he had a great game but really i mean he's the reason why there was nothing but layups at the at the basket and dunks because he was not protecting the rim at all and uh so it was just another one of those deceptively where deceptive games by Julius Randle where people could say that he's a, a great impact on this team and he's a great player but you know at the same time he's digging you in a huge hole by not, not providing any amount of defense so it would have been nice to see Child ja get a little bit more run or even check um because uh it was pretty brutal out there sometimes watching him just watch players blow past him, you know. So uh that was difficult. But um yeah, I, I mean Ja, I don't really understand why he only got three minutes, even though he had the fouls early. I mean, you can still put him in towards the end. Um so that was that was unusual for me. At least maybe he would have provided a little bit more effort at the basket defensively.
0: Yeah, I apologize who tweeted this to me last night, but uh, just respond under this pod and I'll I'll go ahead and retweet it. Somebody called Julius Randle the Lou Williams of power forwards. And I really enjoyed that. I thought it was an astute observation because he does give you as much offensively as he takes away from you defensively, like Kevin just pointed out. Uh, I'm going to reverse this grub and go over to the Lakers. 45 points out of Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Obviously, people can fall in love with Kyle Kuzma's deep game, though he didn't hit a three-pointer in this one. But the one thing that I was impressed about, although I hate watching these guys play, is just how good Brandon Ingram is at drawing whistles, sometimes frustratingly so. Uh, These guys combined for 45 points on, let me do quick math, 17 of 29 shootings. So they were very efficient, but like Julius Randle, as much as they give you offensively, they take away from you defensively. Should we get into the summer and Kyrie Irving, let's say, goes to New York and the Pelicans do re-engage in trade talks with the Los Angeles Lakers, did you see enough from Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma to consider dealing for them?
2: Well, I don't think anybody has ever said that Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram are not good players. But I think that the point always was if you had a chance to get a superstar, then that's the chance you take first. But if you have to go back to Los Angeles and that's what you walk away with is a package that includes Ingram and Kuzma. I don't think you lose in that particular situation, um, but you have to also know what you're getting. Right. I don't think either one of those guys will be like a first-team All-NBA player. Um, I think they're probably both. Kuzma's probably his best situation would be as a six-man because he's not a great rebounder and not a, um, a, a good defender. Um, whereas Ingram, yeah, he could be a starting uh, three in this league if he learns yeah. how to shoot from deep because he just doesn't give you that part of his game, and he's not a particularly – um great defender or a great rebounder for his length. So, I mean, they all have flaws that keep them beneath that level of the optimum return you'd want to get for someone like Anthony Davis. But again, they're talented players. They show that. They can score at the NBA level. But neither one of them on their own is the kind of guy who you'd want to put the mantle of leading your franchise.
0: Now, Ali, I'll be the first one to defend him. But what in the world is going on with Etwan Moore?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, because I thought that he was looking, you know, looked like in his old self in previous couple games to where he had that kind of bounce in his step. I remember talking with Andrew in the last game up in uh, media row about that, but I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he's checked out. Maybe the situation is kind of weighed on. him. I'm not sure, but you kind of notice that with a lot of players, the consistency has zapped. And I got to bring up the fact that while, you know, Drew Holiday still gives his, Tries his butt off. I saw him have instances in last night's game where he was the one responsible for rotating over and defending the rim. Uh, so it wasn't just Julius Randle. I don't want everybody to think it's just Julius because that it was breakdowns galore by everybody. So I, Preston, just think it's that time of the year. Uh, you're not fully engaged because you know what I mean. You're not practicing that much. You know this. You know what environment you're operating in. And that's, of course, a losing team that has really no chance of making a playoffs. I think even the guys know that And once the players know that, you know, you notice, especially team play drop off dramatically.
0: Kevin, Stanley Johnson in just one minute with a negative plus minus of four and two turnovers and one personal foul. Uh, wh- what, if anything, are we expecting to get out of Stanley Johnson for the remainder of this season?
1: Uh, nothing. I mean, I he's been. I mean, he, I think Ali tweeted uh or shared in their DMs last night how many minutes he's played so far as in, in this league, and it's a lot of minutes. And he's not done anything with those minutes, so I wouldn't expect him to change anytime soon. So, I think he was just a guy they brought in maybe to see if a change of scenery would uh spark him and that hasn't happened and you know he was just salary salary filler and those second round picks were the real prize and you know I don't think he's long for this roster so I wouldn't expect much out of him I think what you saw so far is what you're getting I mean I remember uh Duncan Smith always complaining about him uh you know on Pistons Twitter so I I don't think there we should expect much out of him
0: All right, you talked just the perfect length of time for me to pull up Kenrich Williams' stats. Uh, After scoring double digits in five of six games without Anthony Davis, uh, once the Orlando game came in from that point in time, Grub, Kenrich Williams has really been struggling. He did have that impressive game against Oklahoma City where he got 12 boards and four assists. But other than that, he just hasn't been playing the way that he was playing uh, through the course of those six games prior to Anthony Davis coming back. Grub, does Kenrich look good to you? What's going on with him? Well, I think it's another adjustment for him. I mean, we're getting, he's getting his whole rookie
2: season kind of pushed into and compressed into this period after the all, after and around the All Star break, because he didn't really play much at all the first 40 games of the season. So he's going through those things. People are adjusting to him. Um, he's having to adjust in big ways to different lineup groups where his role becomes different. Um, obviously, when AD and Randall on their floor, Andrew, hes he's fourth. Before he was getting shots um, in transition as the second look um, at times when AD wasn't there or when Randall wasn't there. So I think that his, you know, there's an adjustment mentally in trying to find his balance of how aggressive am I supposed to be? Can I drive in this situation? I haven't played with Julius, I haven't played with AD, you know. So I think all of those things are going on for him. But overall, I mean, I think his effort is there, but I think his mind has not caught up to where he needs to be just at this moment. I don't have concerns about him. I just can kind of just feel that rookie part of his season coming together this, And this. And again, it's in this weird situation.
3: All right. Uh, press, I want to add just one thing that I've noticed with Kenrich. And when I think it's pretty obvious to me when he was playing the power forward, the four, uh, he was a lot more active. He was a lot more, I, I guess, in his best role for this team. And you saw that, whether he was crashing in glass, Having the ball at the top of the key as, and being one of the decision makers. Now with Davis and Randall playing, he's just literally standing there on the wing, usually not even getting a touch on the possession, and therefore he's not having an impact. And so when he does get a pass, you know he's been cold, hasn't touched the ball for five, maybe six possessions, and he's being asked to shoot a three. As where before he was really involved. So I think we're quickly learning where Kenish operates best, at least currently with the skill set that he's got, and that is of course being in a, a super active role
0: yeah I don't even necessarily uh know if you put him at the power forward role. I just remember that he was starting most of those games alongside Darius Miller and Darius Miller takes the role of standing out on the wing just gives a lot more spacing so that Kenrich can come in and crash the glass and and make some havoc as as Ollie was just discussing now he's paired alongside Julius Randall Anthony Davis, who take up a lot of that space, takes away his room to operate and like Ollie said, just relegated to staying out on the perimeter when rebounding is, is such a strong suit for him. he's one of the pelicans. Uh, I think best guys at boxing out one of the only guys at boxing out uh Ali I think it's time to transition over to Tim Frazier late last night Adrian Wojnarowski he's always uh the the forefront of Pelicans news why can't any of our uh, beat guys get some of that insider information uh ahead of Woj Woj always seems to get the tip uh but before we we go ahead and give Tim Frazier a hard time obviously he's very close friends with Anthony Davis he vacationed with him at Disney World uh last week Uh, I think they were on the test track together at Epcot and on the Instagram photo. But I do want to give I do want to credit him with this, Ollie. Tim Frazier, assuming the point guard role uh, with Alfred Payton down, I think it was against the Washington Wizards. He had something like a plus minus of 20, had like 12 assists, but he basically gave Drew Holiday the freedom. To, to do what it, what he does well, play off ball, play great defense, kind of crash the rim, uh, work away from the ball. And now we've seen Drew Holiday kind of ascend to a, a whole nother level. Does any of that credit go to Tim Frazier, Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think we should
3: have David answer this.
2: <laughs> go ahead, Grub. I'm sorry. Just the lead up, I was wondering where it was going. And then when you asked the question, I'm sorry. Just, I just, I had to. It just, it just made me laugh. But Ollie, go ahead. Please, please. <laughs> All
3: right. Yeah, I, I I didn't expect uh, Preston to make that U-turn either. But, no, I mean, honestly, Tim Frazier was always just brought in to do one thing. And that, of course, was to provide a backup minutes because Drew Holiday, at the start of the year, middle of the year, what was he always saying? I want to play the two. And even when Alfred came back just recently, he said that uh, there's nobody happier than uh, Drew to play the two. So, yeah, that was probably a part of it. That you know, you can maybe give Tim Frazier some credit because he alleviated some of that pressure. But let's face it, Tim Frazier is not really a good basketball player, despite some of the stats. You know, despite what he did for the team, he never had a good impact as to where you felt like he was a running the offense well or uh, b defending at least adequately at his position. So I think the writing was on the wall for him. He was a totally an emergency hire. I felt like, uh, by Del Demps back much earlier in the season. And with him being gone, I don't think anybody's going to miss him. But I think the most interesting thing to take away from all this is the timing of everything. You know, they let Tim Frazier go out in Los Angeles to where Anthony Davis has, you know, purchased a home over the summer for the team he wants to play for. You know, desperately wanted to end up with the Lakers before the trade deadline. And so first uh, stop on this four-game road trip, they tell Tim Frazier, hey, you're done, and he hadn't played in about, I, I guess, since before the All-Star break. So it's just the timing is a little interesting, and a lot of people out there are saying, hey, that's the Pelicans being a little petty. They're trolling Tim Frazier and especially Anthony Davis' group. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm not buying that, I'll, but it makes sense.
0: Ali, let me stop you because uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think March 1st is the last date in which a player can be signed by an outside franchise and still participate in the playoffs. So I think if anything, Danny Ferry might be doing him a favor, allowing him 24 hours to jump on with another squad and possibly play in the playoffs.
3: Hey, if you want to say that and write that, (laughs) fine. Sorry, no.
0: All right, let's go ahead to Kevin. Obviously, the Pelicans uh, waived Tim Frazier to experiment with Darius Bertons, the 29 year old elder brother of Davis Bertans, who's shooting 54% in a Latvian league. Always got a write up on him on the birdrights.com right now. Uh, do you expect to see anything from the other Bertons this season?
1: I mean, I'm sure we'll see him play a lot of minutes because he's on one of those, um, you know, late season deals where he's signed on a two year deal, but the second year is. Uh, it is a team option, so they want to see what they got in him, I guess, and see what kind of spacing he has. But I mean, I think it's more of maybe just hoping to provide him to provide some spacing for other guys to be able to operate. Like you were saying, like so, Kenrick's not stuck out on the on the wing now. Maybe he can go back more on the inside and rebound more with another guy spacing the floor a little bit. Those kind of things opening it up for drives and kickouts. I'm not necessarily. I don't think they're like really trying to evaluate and he's like 30 years old right like a 30 year old shooting guard that added to the long as a long term piece to this team i think just the skill set that he brings will hopefully help them evaluate the other guys better
0: so Ollie just sent me a DM. He said, March 1st is the last day a player can be waived by one team and remain eligible to appear in the postseason for another team. So uh, there's that information for you. So now Tim Frazier could be a difference maker for the Rockets as David Crump just DMs me. Uh, David, let's go over to you. Uh, there's some other veterans on the team like an Ian Clark that could clear space. Uh, for another potential uh, european pickup the pelicans could experiment with some 10-day contracts how active do you think danny ferry is going to be over the latter portion of the season
2: well i think if if there's an indication that they have no plans for somebody in the long term um then you know i wouldn't be surprised if maybe someone else gets to let go but I, I doubt they would do that to ian unless they knew that there was a team that, that was going to sign him before the playoffs, I just don't think that they would do that to him because he's a veteran, a guy that people like, um, and his contract expires the end of the year anyway. So, I mean, I, I just don't see them in doing that. But um, you know, Ferry has just shown that if if they're if they feel like they can do something just to get a look at somebody, yeah, they'll move somebody. But I I don't know who that candidate would be to give up a roster spot because you're not going to cut Solomon Hill at this point. Um, so there aren't a lot of candidates to come in and take a spot. Uh, That's just the only thing with the Pelicans right now. I don't, you know, none of the other guys, you know, you're not going to get move Frank to get rid of check. You're not going to get rid of um, Okafor. So I don't see a lot of places to play with.
0: All right. Remember to follow these guys at Ali Cosell at Kevin B for bounce and at DM grub. Uh, We're going to get into the question portion of our podcast. Now, Kevin, this is from our friend. Waka Waka Wakanda. He says only one question. Did I see Frank wearing Kyrie lows last night?
1: I'm going to defer that to somebody who pays attention to shoes because I don't. Um, So I don't know.
0: (laughs) I don't know either. What about you, Grub?
2: (laughs) I think he was, but I didn't see any close-up shots of him last night. They looked kind of like those, but mostly everybody's been wearing the Kobe's this year. So I'd have to check, especially with these uniforms. They've been wearing the, the Kobe's, but I'll double check, but
0: I don't care. I don't know. This is from uh, CB Corbore. He says, since they will actually draft someone in the first this year, uh, fingers crossed, have you guys been checking out lottery projected players? And before we get to lottery projected players, Ali, uh, can you talk a bit about where the Pelicans sit right now in terms of tank order?
3: Yeah. So before yesterday's games, I haven't looked this morning yet. They were sitting ninth to where they had the ninth worst record in the league. So that would have given them uh, about a 20% chance to land a top five player in the past. Team finishing with a ninth worst record had a 6% chance of landing that pick. So that's why I mentioned that earlier. I think it's absolutely huge and vital for this team to end up somewhere in that, you know, 5 to 10 range. Preferably, you know, 6 or 7. Get up as high as you can because those odds really jump up compared to what they've done in seasons past. So can you imagine before the Pelicans even uh, trade Anthony Davis for whatever haul they get in return, that they land a top three pick, that we have the rights to Zion Williamson, John Morant or one of those other two Duke players. I mean, that would be incredible. So I think that's what, honestly, I would hope. I mean, people say, you know, teams don't generally tank. And I've honestly never witnessed this Pelicans team ever outright tank. But secretly, deep down, I really want to uh, see them do that this year
0: all right let me pull it up right now uh they are positioned right between the washington wizards and dallas whose pick is going to atlanta they're 27 and 36 washington is 25 and 36 and dallas is 27 and 34 uh they are currently slotted eighth right now with 26.3 percent uh likelihood of landing in the top four six percent likelihood of landing first overall in the zion sweepstakes all right, this is from Tahita. He's got two questions for us, Kevin. He says, "Do you think there's any value in not making the NBA an enemy by playing Anthony Davis? Uh, so, why do you think the Pelicans continue to play him?"
1: I mean, I think that they obviously think that there is value in that because there's clearly no other reason not to. I don't think the money's really an issue because uh, it's not a whole lot of money there. Um, so, I yeah, I mean, they they obviously see some reason not to do that. And they're not doing it for that reason, and I don't necessarily know what it is, but it I, it's I think they have a pretty decent relationship with Adam Silver, and they didn't really have that with David Stern in the past, so I think they just want to keep that going forward for other issues. Um, that's the only thing that makes sense to me.
0: All right, second question from Tejada Grub: Is there a scenario this summer that could happen that scares you when it comes time to trade AD?
2: Well, I think the biggest things would be. You know, you're at less of an advantage with the Celtics if Kyrie does decide to leave um, Boston, and that that takes away a major negotiating partner. Possibly uh, the other one. You know, you worry about uh, whether or not the Knicks um, can put themselves in a real position. So those, or and then the, the third one is: does AD get hurt before you get to make the trade? You know, all those those are your. That would be your number one worst case scenario. But the the second would be, would to me, would be if Kyrie decides to leave Boston because then they become, I think, a lot more hesitant to include Tatum in the deal um, because they'd like to have some idea that they can keep someone long-term.
0: All right. Just putting a tweet up. All right. This is from Doodle, AKA Junior. Ali, let's say Tatum is on the table wouldn't a package of New York's number two pick be better than their offer if Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson was to come with that pick? And you select Morant with that second pick. I'm just a Morant fan now. That used to be my favorite player is too big for us now. So basically, Ali, uh, where do the Knicks and the Celtics stand in terms of trade assets right now?
3: Well, Celtics are definitely number one. I mean, Tatum is the prize because he's ready now. And I think that's what the organization is definitely looking to do i mean you've got to number one make sure that you can keep true holiday around and so if he's just giving you a year or two max to basically really legitimately be back in the playoffs or at least to be pursuing that goal then you you've got to get guys out there that can perform now and regardless of almost any rookie that enters the league there's a ad- huge adjustment period so even though zion williams is a hell of a talent I mean, Anthony Davis wasn't ready in his first couple of years to help the Pelicans in the playoffs. Sure, he was a group, you know, it's we saw him jaw dropping dunks and stuff. And hey, <laughs> Dave, you <can> do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's clearly the Celtics with Tatum. You want a young stud. Plus, they've got other good, you know, good serviceable players. And I think Mark is smart and would be a dream because you could pair him up alongside Drew Holiday. I mean, those guys would be a terror. So that would be an identity you could take off right from the start. As for the Knicks, none of these guys have proven themselves in the league. I mean, Mitchell Robinson's having difficulty just uh, seeing consistent playing time. Even though he's been playing better of late, he still has at least two, three years to learn a lot of things before he can be a significant contributor. Kenny Knox, I mean, he he, he just doesn't have a basketball shot right now. And whoever you draft, like I've already mentioned, they're not going to be ready to help right away. So it's it's clearly the Celtics package is. is the pristine one but really want to quickly add to that say boston does know that kyrie irving is not going to resign regardless of whether they can get ad or not i'm very happy to think that the clippers are going to be that buffer to keep the uh, trade packages up and still very favorable towards the Pelicans, because we saw them all make all these moves for the future uh they're clearly assembling or maybe Kawhi Leonard, and and they've got enough money for another pick after dealing Tobias Harris away. So we know AD wants to be in L.A. Why wouldn't he just go ahead and choose the Clippers um, instead of the Lakers? Because, again, if he's truly concerned about winning, how can he put the Lakers at the top? This this team, I know they won yesterday, but they're a mess. And if I'm AD, I'm looking honestly to go somewhere else if I've got the choice instead of those Lakers. Because it's going to be all on him. LeBron James is aging. We've seen how much help that team really needs. I think the Clippers would be a better fit. And with them being involved uh, for this, this summer sweepstakes for a lot of those key free agents, I'm happy that, you know, so regardless of what happens in Boston, that we'll be fine. The Falcons will be fine in whatever trade packages get offered for AD. They won't be low balled.
0: All right, Kevin, this is from our friend M Tuman. He says, Ingram has been outplaying Tatum since trade talks broke. Siakam may be outplaying both. Tatum last night, 35 minutes, zero assists, and four turnovers. Ingram, six rebounds and four assists, zero turnovers to go along. I think he had 23 points and he got to the line 10 times. He says, the lack of Tatum's distributing is troubling. Kevin, do you think that Brandon Ingram might possibly be playing better than Tatum right now? I mean,
1: he might be playing better than him right now, but I think Tatum is overall the better player. He's a more well-rounded player. He's a better defender. He's a he is a better rebounder. He's you know he's a better score uh, like a versatile scorer. Um, I think right now what we're seeing is that Boston is going through the stage that the Lakers went through a couple of weeks ago when you know where it's the the infighting and the you don't want me here. You don't want to be here situation going on. Um, and it's really affecting their chemistry. I think Brandon Ingram has broken out of that now and is playing out of his mind for the most part. And uh, you know, the Celtics are just that in in that funk that the Lakers were in a couple of weeks ago. And I think you'll see Tatum get out of this soon. If not, it doesn't matter because we've already seen enough tape of him and we know what he can be. It's just, that situation has become toxic. So something needs to change, whether it's the young guys get shipped out or Kyrie leaves, whatever. Um, Those things will sort itself out and Tatum will return to the kind of player he was because he is that good of a player. And um, I think, you know, when you see the best of Tatum, you see a better player than the best of Ingram. And Ingram's situation allows him to take a lot more shots and be a more focal point of an offense that makes his numbers look better. Whereas and Boston, it's more of a sharing system. And then also because Kyrie's at the top of the totem pole, and then you have other guys like Horford and Hayward and Brown and these other guys who are trying to get theirs too. it, it sort of dilutes what Tatum could be in a system where he is, you know, more of the focal point where he's either one or, or two, uh, the first or second option, like he would be in new Orleans. So I wouldn't put put much stock in, in that at the moment. I mean, you have to look, Um, at the situation as a whole, not just at numbers sometimes.
0: All right. Uh, we've got a question from James Gason. He says, Are you guys leaving for Seattle this year or dot 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 asking for a friend? Uh I, I think this is probably said in good faith. I'm I'm sure it's just a jest. Uh, as you may well know, or if you're not a Pelicans fan, uh Gail Benson just announced recently, just today, that she is committed to staying here. Uh, it's it's not just about the organization, it's not just about the money, it's also about honoring her late husband, Mr. Tom Benson. She wants this team to win for him. After all, it was her who encouraged him to purchase the team. So please go out. Fly out to your friends um, and let them know that the Pelicans are here to stay. And if Seattle does want a team in the future, it's more likely going to happen through uh, expansion than anything else. Should the league ever expand to 32 teams, you'd have to be. Seattle would be at the forefront of that discussion. This is from the Orthogonian. He says, thoughts on signing this 30-year-old European player seems to undercut the idea of going young next year after the AD trade. And you're 100% correct and you're 100% heard. It's just a flyer on a guy who shoots 54% from three-point range. So if that is something that does translate to the NBA, then definitely worth a look. All you lose out of it is Tim Frazier. If Alfred Payton can remain healthy, that's not something necessarily that's going to hurt you going forward anyway. And even if for some reason uh, he does miss some time, well then uh, just start up the, the tank train. This is from Tom Hickson, and I think it's Grubb's turn. He says, of all the guys outside Anthony Davis in the rotation, who are the guys y'all think realistically stick around beyond this season, vets included? And I think he's specifically talking about Julius Randall Grubb Well,
2: you know, Julius's situation is going to be is based on his options and who, who uh, goes out and pursues him. Because obviously he's going to take his player option and become a free agent uh, and see what the market bears. Now if the Pelicans, the next general manager, whomever that may be, thinks of Julius as a long-term option, I don't think that anybody's going to be willing to dump franchise player level money at Julius just because of his defensive inefficiencies, his size, um, and his inability to protect the paint. Um, but the Pelicans could, if they wanted to round the roster out that way, um, the rest of the guys, you know, you still have to figure Solomon comes back because of this contract, the way it's structured drew, unless he demands a trade is coming back. Uh, Alfred it will be a free agent, and again, it'll be based on his market. It, it, it certainly, he hasn't improved his value this year because of his injury, so um, he would be a reasonable player that the Pelicans could target just to say, You're, you you want to be home? We could give you another reasonable deal, heavily on incentives, come on back. So, yes, he's probably likely to return, too. Okafor is a very team-friendly deal. Kerich Williams, very team-friendly deal. Trevon Blewett, obviously, team-friendly deal. So I think pretty much everybody you expect to be back will be back, Ian Clark probably will not um so you know outside of the rest of that group everyone else will be under team friendly deals and they'll be back next season
0: yeah um Ali just quickly how disappointing is it that obviously Trevor Blewett has had some trouble with his back how disappointed are you that we're probably not going to get to see him at all this season uh
3: I don't know I mean this guy definitely still needed to get a lot of reps in, even if it was just the G League or something like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed because you're right. He would be getting time now. But, again, I didn't have any expectations of him performing well. I mean, look at how much Frank Jackson has struggled, guys. I guess that's a barometer you want to use here. Uh, Frank looked, you know, had really good flashes in preseason. And that one game in the summer league, he looked really good as well. Uh, as for Trayvon it had a lot of up-and-down performances. You know, he started off – summer league so hot winning three games or excuse me performing well I think in the first two games or something like that and then his play kind of dropped off so yeah I mean everybody obviously wants to see what this kid can do because he's by far maybe their best shooter actually on the squad now with Nikola Miritich getting traded away and uh, you don't know what's going to be the uh, contract status of Darius Miller moving forward since his is up um Trayvon Blue could be the next best three-point shooter they've got on the entire roster so you want to see him get some minutes to see what he does or what else he can do on the court but again I never had expectations this guy ever seeing 20-25 minutes and wowing anybody I just think he's the type that's going to take some time because he is a little bit undersized so he's going to need to learn all the nuances in the NBA as for somebody like Kendrick Williams who is bigger who uh, already has developed kind of that instinct on doing all these small things. I think Blewett needs to do that because he was primarily a scorer at Xavier. You know, he, I can't remember if he finished first or second in that, uh, at at that school in terms of points scored for his career, but he was right there. So, you know, yeah, I mean, let's just hope that Trayvon Blewett sticks around. They still like him and he gets to play in the next, this, this upcoming summer league, and then he can show us what he has learned. And then maybe next year, he can be a factor on the roster.
0: All right. Uh, sorry. I was just looking through an angry Pelicans fans mentions last night or uh, not a Pelicans fans. Uh, I, I don't know who he's representing other than uh <laughs> despair. Uh, this is from Victor. He says, why did Okafor not get any minutes? Uh, that was troubling to me as well. Just three minutes and three fouls in that time. I think he got, picked up three fouls in his first two minutes. So Alvin Gentry must have thought uh, he wasn't going to be able to give meaningful time in that game. That's what I would assume. Uh, let's do a speed round, you guys. Kevin, this is from Say Jamo. He says, evaluations of the Darius Burton's trade. What does it say about the potential of Ferry to stay on permanently? Do you think this presents a possibility of us scouting more internationally in the future?
1: I mean, I think Dell scouted a lot internationally. I mean, we've seen them bring in a lot of players from overseas, so I don't think that's... Anything that's changing. I mean, um, and I also, like I said already, I don't think the Bertans uh, deal is a huge thing. I think it's more to give a skill set that allows you to evaluate the other guys better because he will look, hopefully provide some spacing to open up things for guys to do things that they do better, such as Kendrick Williams close to the rim, Frank Jackson, more driving lanes, Drew Holiday, more driving lanes, stuff like that. So um, I don't look at it as a big deal, honestly.
0: All right. This is from Crescent City Connect Grub. He says, what's up, y'all? I'm thrilled about our draft pick possibly being a top five pick. One question, though. If Pelicans trade with Boston over the summer, I'd expect the Memphis pick to be a part of that package. How exactly does the Memphis pick convey to us in this draft? I'm going to answer that for you, actually, because I actually know it offhand. So it's top eight protected this year. Right now they're slotted as sixth. So they'll keep their pick this year. Next year, it's top six protected, and then after that, it's unprotected. So it actually becomes more valuable as we go along. Grub, how important would it be to you to de- in a deal with Boston that that Memphis pick falls out of the top eight this year?
2: Well, I, I don't want it this year if it falls out of that group because it just isn't a deep enough draft. So I mean, I'd rather if 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 some of these picks, you know, if the picks conveyed next year. Those, to me, are the the best option unless you're in the top three or four of this year's draft. So, yeah, the best case scenario for me then would be, yeah, let's get it next year.
0: Yeah, and even better than that, if it doesn't translate next year either, I want to say that it becomes unprotected in 2022. And that's the famous year where the high schoolers come out. So that could be uh, the best advantage of all of this. So it's actually um, more valuable as we go along. This is yes. from Des- Desmond Dickerson. He says, well, you asked us what we are happy, mad about. So what are y'all thankful for with the Drew Tang clan? And I'm going to post that to Ali.
3: Uh, I love that Drew Holiday is following up his best season with or even a better season. But of course, it's flying under the radar considering the California standings uh, in, in out here in the West. So the fact that Drew Holiday has not only played well, but also he's become the face of the franchise. I mean, there's no doubt. Everybody you talk to before games just raves about this guy who goes around his business. And secretly, you're hearing that he, he's kind of relishing this opportunity and and kind of you know building a team around him in his mold. And we saw that, like I said, when Anthony Davis was out. This team played such a scrappy style. They could have conceivably ran off three or four wins in a row against Western Conference playoff contenders. Instead, they had that one great win against the Houston Rockets, and they had a bunch of close losses. But when they're engaged, when they everybody kind of follows and mimics Drew Holiday's energy, uh, giving it their full effort defensively, you know, this this team is a fun, fun squad. And I think that's the kind of product that everybody wants to see moving forward. Yeah. If you to build around Drew Holiday, well, let's make it an extension of him. Because it's not only an entertaining brand of basketball, but you know what? It looks like it could conceivably be a, a dark horse in the West. Because like I said, they, they drove everybody to the limits in the final minutes of the fourth quarter where they could have walked away with a lot more wins than they did.
0: All right. uh, Just for reference, Boston does have Sacramento's pick at 14 and the Clippers pick at 18. And those will probably I think the Clippers pick is lottery protected. But right now they've got a three game lead on Sacramento and a four game lead on the Lakers. Wow. It really does look as if the Lakers are not going to make the playoffs this year. But that remains to be seen. We've got four questions left and then I got to get out of here. This is from Joseph Craven. He says, how long you thinking this new Saints trade talk inspired L.A. versus new orleans rivalry lasts. i'm hoping forever kevin do you want a rivalry with la um
1: uh, sure i mean <laughs> i don't care like i i i've already had a personal rivalry with la anyway like I, I i've hated the lakers my whole life so like this just adds to it so it's perfect i guess
0: perfect this is from savvy p how much of a national story would ad missing the team bus bus flight be made into grub is this, is this a playoff of my tweet? Is that what Yeah, this the is Luke about? Walton deal. I mean,
2: you know, again, the Luke Walton thing was more just funny because of when it happened and where it happened. AD, they're not going to leave AD. Just like that bus didn't leave, leave with Luke Walton. I mean, it left him for a minute and it came back. Pelicans ain't getting on a plane without Anthony Davis. That's just not going to happen. It's a level of, if it were intentional, it would be a level of petty. That again, if they're not willing to sit him, They're not going to embarrass him in that way. So, I mean, I get the joke and it's funny. It is. It'd be funny to see it happen. But in reality, no, I don't think that there's
0: any way that that happens.
2: And to go back earlier, yes, those were Kyries on um, Frank Jackson's feet. They were just in a New Orleans Pelicans colorway, which I had not seen before.
0: Ooh, Andy Coyer asks, uh, Daris, couldn't we go with someone younger with upside or even filter through some 10-day contracts first? I think you're absolutely right, Andy. I think they're definitely looking right now. I'm sure Danny Ferry, that's what he's doing, scouring the market. Uh, like you said, they could either go with a 10-day contract for an experiment, uh, a la Jordan Crawford years ago, James Ennis, Wayne Selden, that sort of thing. Or they could conceivably waive Ian Clark and possibly guarantee somebody uh, a year or two if they pull somebody over from Europe like they did with Tim Frazier. Ali, over under the slot, will end up for the lottery odds, and he's saying 6.5. So I think that's percentage of the top overall pick, because I don't think we're going to fall to six and pass Memphis. They've got a three-game lead on us right now. So basically, do you think the Pelicans can catch up with the Washington Wizards, who now trail the Pelicans by two wins?
3: Yeah, because the Wizards are still trying to win out there uh, in the East. And I I was looking at the standings after we answered that question earlier, Preston, but yeah, we're right there in eighth with Miami and Washington, who are as, are both bound for Eastern Conference uh, playoff hopes as were well. we're obviously not. So yeah, I think eight is the number that I'm circling. I would love to see get you know them end up higher, but it just doesn't look realistic unless Pelicans go on like a 10, 12 game losing streak and somebody below them wins three or four.
0: All right, this is from Yulis Yunta. He says, as we focus toward the offseason and looking at how the talent on both the Lakers and the Celtics are playing, excluding the number one pick in the draft between those two and the talents they can offer, which is the best fit so far? And I think we answered this one uh pretty well earlier in the podcast i hope that satisfies your queries this one is from quinito rodriguez he says wouldn't the pelicans have won if ad didn't play at all i know he scored 22 points in 21 minutes but if he didn't play it would have allowed the other guys to have warmed up to allow them to have a good fourth quarter it was way too cold from three tonight how much does anthony davis and his usage rate on the floor affect the role players kevin
1: yeah i mean uh that's a, are you hearing me right now? I'm sorry. I can't tell if I'm muted or not.
0: No, you sound hey, great.
1: Okay. Sorry. I was muting because my dog's playing with this loud toy. So I was trying to block him out anyway. Um, yeah. That's a tough question to answer. I mean, obviously, you know, AD scored 20 points in, what in 20 minutes and was a plus four, but you know, there's this, just this cloud over the team when he plays, nobody seems to be comfortable when he's on the court. And when he's off the court, they seem to be more comfortable. That's very eyeball testy, but also you look at, you know, Drew Holiday's a plus 13 and, you know, stuff like that. And we've seen what happened with Kenrick Williams now that he has to play next to AD and not across from Darius Miller. And, you know, it's getting guys out of what's best for them at this point in time. Not not to say that, you know, obviously if Anthony Davis was fully engaged and this wasn't happening, obviously you want him on the court. Um, But it's just the situation is just so weird. And everybody seems to be pressing a lot when he's on the court and, and not playing within the flow of what, what fits them and what fits the team. Right. Um, so I think, you know, obviously the best case scenario for this team is to not have him out there because it's just such a weird situation. And the, and then you could truly get to evaluate these guys better. And also without having a top five player on the court, you're probably more likely to lose games. Although it, you know, it does seem like we play better and harder when he's not playing at all. So it's tough to say. It's just a a terrible situation. And I think one thing that we should have pointed out, talked about already in this pod is how amazing was it that when he scored the first bucket, they gave the points to the Lakers last night. That was (laughs) was so fitting and perfect uh, of a thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, this just needs to end uh, because it's not good for anyone i mean we've talked that to death national media has talked that to death the van gundy's talked that to death last night it doesn't benefit anyone um to have him out there doesn't let anyone accomplish their goals it doesn't help with evaluating it doesn't help us uh lose games that we need to lose it doesn't help us protect our best asset going forward to restructure this team um so i i you know Hey, we just need to get him out of here and hopefully the league comes around on that at some point. Um, and uh, we go forward that way.
0: All right. Thank you guys so much. That's it for now. Uh, we appreciate your support. If you guys can do us one more favor, just retweet this, like it, share it with your friends, go on iTunes. You know the drill. Uh, we deeply appreciate it. And thank you for tuning in. Uh, Ali Cosell, you can follow him at Ali Cosell. David Grubb at DM Grub. Kevin B for Bounce is his Twitter handle. Ali, anything you're working on this week, sir?
3: uh finding some sleep (laughs) conference road trip and i think i've got every single recap so
0: not too happy about that oh geez (laughs) kevin what's going on with you man
1: uh it's mardi gras so i just work nonstop and make all that money and then take some rest after that
0: perfect grub when can we expect that exclusive interview to come out
2: um, I'm trying to finish it up because I have so much text. I had to talk to a number of other people at LSU. So hopefully I can have that done by this weekend. Then of course, I'm also dealing with the LSU Tigers who are trying to close the regular season and win um an SEC championship.
0: All right, you guys, I'm Preston Ellis. Remember uh on Twitter, let's be good to each other. Uh the Pelicans have the Suns coming up, followed by a back-to-back a uh, doubleheader with the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, so plenty of basketball to be played, plenty still to be positive about developing young guys, uh, seeing performances like the one we did from Frank Jackson. So uh, keep positive, be good to one another, and let's go Pels. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.
1: plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a twelve ninety nine per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.
2: And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right,
3: save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive.
0: Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what. Well man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this?